My name is Amanda Van Annen. Welcome to Beauty and the Beat. Join me and my co-hosts Betsy Zane and Sophia Brad as we pierce beyond the beauty myth and get face to face with reality. Highs and lows of fashion to the challenges of motherhood, the traumas of life, heartbreak of relationships gone wrong, and how to find purpose and discover your true authentic self. Welcome to episode six, Heal Your Life. Today we'll be talking about energy and healing. To help us delve deeper into the subject, we've got no other than Emily Hopman. Emily's a financial consultant in Denver, Colorado, with a passion for creative healing. She began exploring her intuitive gifts through Reiki in 2015. Between 2015 and 2019, she went to law school and became a lawyer. Though she had everything she wanted, she found herself deeply unhappy and lost. She did not feel like she was serving her life's purpose. After much soul-searching and a return to her energy work, she mustered up the courage to leave her law job. And in doing so, she manifested an incredible part-time career as a financial consultant and launched her personal energy business. In November 2019, she opened her Etsy shop and has grown the shop to include several spiritual healing tools. She recently has expanded her work to include healing services like workshops, individual energy sessions, and distance Reiki healing. She's a proud practitioner of the Seraphim Wisdom, a designation held by only a few hundred healers worldwide. She loves sharing angel energy through her work, And her mission is to help her clients return to a state of energetic awareness, alignment, and flow. Emily, welcome to the Beauty and the Beat. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm inspired by all three of you and just thrilled to be on here with you. Oh, yeah. Thank you very much for being on here with us. Yes, we're very happy to have you. Yes. So I'm going to start this by asking you, Emily, you know, you say you are an energy healer. But before we start, I'd like you to explain to our audience what exactly that is. It's a very interesting question, Amanda, because energy healing means different things to different people. So to me, what it means to be an energy healer is to be somebody who helps other people return to this state of being in touch with their own energy. So really it's more of an energy guide where rather than healing anybody else's problems, you're helping them kind of develop this awareness of what's going on in their life and helping them get back in touch to that state of feeling gratitude and empowerment and love and all of the emotions that we're constantly all searching for. That's very, very, very interesting because, you know, when I first read about you or you know discovered you I thought healing I wonder how that happens you know so I was like I was trying to figure it out but you've really explained it in a really really concise way so you are a guide that helps people recenter themselves back to find who they really are Mm -hmm. now how did you embark on this journey so why did you go into healing was that something you've always wanted to do or did you just discover that it was a calling It's a little bit of both. So I think when I was young, I always wanted to be a teacher. And I knew from a very young age that teaching in some capacity was going to be in my future. And as I progressed through my education, I realized as much as I love kids, I didn't want to be a a school teacher. 
And so I took my teaching passion and kind of let that fall to the back burner as I completed my education. And then when I got a bit older, my mom has always really loved all of the sort of metaphysical and healing arenas. And so she slowly began to introduce me to those. And for those who are not very spiritually in touch, you think that it's a little crazy at first and difficult to relate to. But the more I spent time learning about energy work and healing, I just felt such a passion for it and felt called to it. And so I think that's what's led me down this track now. Of course, I took some detours for a legal education and a career in law, and I'm happy that I left those behind. But I think that when you feel called to this type of work, you'll just return to it again and again. I can understand that. I have a question for you because when you know you said you said you explained to us about healing, and um, Amanda mentioned something about angel energy. So just explain to our audience and to us, you know, what exactly do you mean when you say angel energy? For people who are spiritually in touch, this might seem like kind of an obvious topic, but for people who are not, it can seem a little far out. So you have to kind of go go with it a little. But to me, this angel energy stems from this concept that we all have guardian angels, which I think is something that most people feel in their life, whether it's a loved one who's passed on or somebody who's been with you since birth, or it could be um, sort of these higher scale angels who protect everyone and aren't necessarily specific to you. So one of the areas that I really like to focus on in my energy practice is, first of all, helping people understand that you do have this universal angel guidance supporting you and learning how to call on that so that you can really implement that very warm, loving energy in your own life, which is something I think most people don't do. Yes. Yeah. And like you said, there are a lot of people who are skeptics out there. I mean, how would you maybe get somebody to understand or help them really understand what that means? Because I have friends, you know, that say to me, they have no idea what I'm talking about because, you know, I'm with you on this. I totally believe in all of this and my guiding angels. But there are many people that just don't understand that concept. Is it you think it's something that you, you know, you understand it's innate or can you help people to understand this, you know, about energy healing and your know, angel energy and so forth? I think there's kind of two pieces to that. So for the skeptics who really aren't open to it, it's always my opinion that everybody has free will and it's not my responsibility to push my beliefs on anyone. So for the people who and I have plenty of people like this in my life who just aren't interested, then I know it's a topic we don't broach because Mm -hmm. it freaks them out a little and it doesn't really serve. But for people who are somewhat receptive and just don't really know about these topics, I really like to start small and say, can you think of a time when you were scared and you just felt this loving energy surround you and you knew things were going to be okay? Or a situation where Maybe you've had a near-death experience and you know it could have ended so much differently than it did. Have you ever thought that maybe there's a bigger force out there who's taking care of you? So I'll try to use examples like that that I think a lot of people can relate to. But at the end of the day, being receptive to these energies, I feel, is a very personal path. And if you're not there yet, I hope you do get there because it's wonderful. But I'm not going to be the one to force you down that path. And I find my clients tend to find me and it's always people who are interested in this, in this line of work already. Yeah, that's very true. Yes. Yeah. 
So obviously, one of the main reasons clients come to you is because they're expecting some sort of shift in their life, whether it's they're going through, I don't know, financial problems, relationship problems, just general stress, family. Now, if a client came to you to get your services with a problem or a blockage, how exactly do you go about recognizing their blockage and then healing them? I think the starting point whenever you're trying to look at shifts in your life is first looking at the emotions that are coming up. And I know this is something that you ladies have touched on in a number of your other episodes is that your emotions are sort of like a compass. When you're feeling terrible, you just know you're not on track. And when you're feeling in touch and flowing, you feel joy and gratitude pretty effortlessly. And so what I try to do when I'm working with people is first find out just what are they feeling? Because what they're feeling is typically, it's the place of the problem, if not a really good starting point. And I find women are much better able to articulate their feelings. It's something that men have a much harder time with. So most of my clients tend to be women who are just able to really open up on that on that level. So I'll kind of start by asking, where are you at? Because when people are looking for a healer, they typically have something in mind, as you said, Amanda, a shift they're trying to make. So often they're guiding me too in how we have these conversations. And once we're able to identify what are the emotions that you're feeling? Is this a past trauma that's being triggered, which is something I know Sophia's mentioned in past episodes where triggers can come up at any time. And if you really delve into those, you can often identify exactly where we need to be focusing our shift. Yes. So that's really interesting. So a client comes to you, they're trying to get a shift. You are going to work with them through their emotions, and then you're going to recognize where they need or what they need to shift. Now, I know you do energy healing tools. How does that come about from what you've just said? So the tools I use are all pretty varied and it depends kind of if I'm focusing on the personal development side of my business or more the product side. So when I'm doing the product side, I make energy sprays and I brought one because I knew you'd ask this. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Little sprays. And what I do is I have different heal- natural healing tools. So I use flower essences and crystal essences, which are essentially, it's a water base. And it has been infused with the property of crystals and flowers. You can do that either by soaking them or some crystals are actually toxic. So you can't soak them. You just kind of set them in proximity and they'll absorb the the metaphysical properties of the items will absorb into the water. By combining these various essences, each of which has a vibration, you can fine tune your own energy field with the vibration of these metaphysical items. So for example, if you're somebody who has very low energy, I might take a crystal that has a very high vibrational energy and put that in the spray, which you're going to spray into your energy field. That will sort of lift you into the vibe of these elements that you're introducing. So those can be very powerful and very, very few people use them, but they're an incredible way to just make small adjustments But to do the healing work for the more professional development side, I think that involves examining what it is in your life that's bringing up these triggering emotions because the sprays 
will help, but they don't necessarily address the root issue. And that's where I like the personal development side. And I find that's more identifying stressful areas of your life or identifying toxic relationships that aren't working for you anymore. And that's where we can really dig deep with these more product tools offering support along the way. Emily, with energy work, I understand from my own experience and the books that I've read, there's just so much that you can do as a professional that specializes in this area. So what are the tools beside the actual physical tools, maybe like advices that you could give to your clients on how to actually balance their energy, how to get back into their energy field? Because as far as I know, you can help them on the way, but they have to do some homework basically on themselves. So what would be like the advice that I know that everybody's quite individual, but what I'm trying to ask you is like, what is the typical homework of someone that um, seeks your advice? That's a good question, Sophia. I think that this goes back to a topic that I know all three of you are involved in, which is meditation. I will always stand by the fact that meditation is one of the if not the most powerful way to shift your energy. And I feel that way because so few of us actually take the time to ever be still and listen to our own thoughts. And I find that for many people, it's so easy to get rolled up in this stressful, busy lifestyle and not actually take the time to examine what's coming up for you. So for the people that I work with, the first suggestion I always say is, can you set aside 20 minutes in your day to meditate. And I, I like to recommend 20 minutes because some people will say, can you set aside five? At least for me personally, that's nowhere near enough time to actually quiet my thoughts and turn off my phone and disconnect from all of these external influences. So I suggest taking 20 minutes to just sit quietly and meditate. And if you can allow an extra five at the end, just write down what comes up. And even having those few moments of stillness where you're not infiltrating external information or conversation tends to be an incredible way to just reset. And that's always the first thing that I recommend people take up. For those who already meditate, I think then the next step is trying to understand the topic of vibration. So what I mean by that is if you're feeling joyful, there's a certain feeling in your body that that gives you. So if you start thinking about something that makes you happy, whether it's your pet, that's always a good example, your pet or going for a walk outside or going on vacation, you can physically feel that excitement in your body. Similarly, you can feel the feeling of stress or disappointment. And so what I like to recommend people do is Try to really sit and dig into what it feels like to absorb these emotions in your body. And it becomes the quickest way to know whether or not you're in alignment because your body will physically tell you if you're off. And mm -hmm. as soon as you can get that level of discernment down, it is an incredibly, incredibly powerful tool to know when you need to um, maybe stop doing an activity that's causing you stress or stop spending time with a person who is making you feel unworthy. You will know when you have this vibrational awareness which direction you need to go in. I feel like more books on this that we read, the more people we listen to within these kind of topics, I think that 
that kind of, in my opinion, raises your vibration so that you're more aware of your own vibration. That's and then you right. know when it imbalances, when something is an imbalance and what, and you know what to do to bring it back into balance. This was fantastic what you said about the joyful thoughts, because I feel like sometimes I think all of us, when we wake up in the morning, we have that off feeling like oh, this is going to be a really bad day. But even with saying yeah. those words, we actually curse the day. So instead of saying those thoughts, I feel like you can pull yourself out of that thought just by thinking joyful, positive thoughts. And if there's a pet that makes you feel joyful, if there's a music or a song that will bring you um, joy, then I think that's the way how to reprogram your day from the start. I absolutely agree. I think when you do the first step of meditation and learning to be still, the second step of learning what a vibration feels like, then the third step is what you're getting to, Sophia, which is making a different choice. Mm -hmm. So that's where I can lead my clients to the door, but you're the one who has to step through it, which comes to the point of if you're noticing that you're not in alignment, now you have to make a change. It's not enough just to notice it. And that's, I think, where so many people get hung up and where many of us get hung up in our life is sometimes we know things are off, but we're not willing to actually take that next step to correct it. And I feel that's where having a mentor and a coach really can be helpful. I have plenty of my own who I will go to until they don't take me anymore because they've helped <laughs> so much with just giving me the courage to take steps that I wouldn't have been prepared to make on my own. Mm-hmm. And in, in saying that, how would you what advice would you give to somebody to to be disciplined to be able to move forward because you like you said it's so easy to go off track and and to lose that focus and to become disheartened so what encouragement or what advice would you say to people what would be the process into keeping you know being disciplined and sticking to it that's the hardest part <laughs> i know i know it is isn't it so I think the most important thing you can do, first of all, is try to meet yourself from a place of non-judgment. So we know that we're all going to fall into states of low vibration at times. That's just part of being human. But once you identify that, then it goes to having disciplined self-talk where you notice that you're in this negative situation and you have to say to yourself, hey, self, I realize that this person is making me feel awful. Why am I still spending time with them? Or, hey, self, I realize that when I look in the mirror and tell myself these negative things, it's ruining my day. Next time, I'm not going to do that. And then I often find I'll have the awareness, then I'll make the mistake again one or two times. But this time, I know that I'm making the mistake. By the third or fourth time, I'm not saying negative things to myself in the mirror. I'm not calling up somebody who I know isn't going to make me feel good. And so I think it's really this kind of process where you don't have the awareness and then suddenly shift. It's more of a process of seeing where these patterns play out in your life. And at that point, you can learn to make the adjustments. Yes, yes, very true. I totally agree with that, yeah. I mean, for me, I I remember, you know, when I... For me to enable to make that shift, I went into a uh, shop once and I found these postcards which had like very, you know, positive affirmations and quotes. So I framed them and put them up around my house. So, you know, just a daily reminder when, like you say, when I'm feeling low, I just take a look and they're all around. I have lots of positive quotes all around and, and posters and paintings around my home. So that when I, if I do, I have that moment of, you know, low, 
then I just take a, and, and there's a, you know, constant daily reminder. So I guess you're right, you know, finding what works for you and what, you know. So Emily, oh, go on. Discipline habits. And so mm-hmm. if you can start making a habit, you almost take the discipline out of it where you would now know Betsy, oh, I'm feeling low. I'm going to go look at my affirmations. Mm-hmm. And then you've already found a way to implement that shift as a daily routine. Yeah. And it just takes this conscious awareness. But once you have an awareness, at least I find, and this is not to self-aggrandize, but I feel like I'm almost always in a pretty positive headspace, but it's just because I practiced it so much that now not doing it, it's so easy for me to recognize when I'm not lined up anymore because my new normal is being positive and optimistic and everybody is capable of getting to that point. So um, Emily, what I want to ask is, you know, I like everything you've said. And as someone that's been practicing spirituality for a long time, one of the things I notice is sometimes there's just this underlying thing of negativity sometimes, and you just don't know how to get rid of it. Even though you're trying, you just can't get rid of it. So for me, because I've practiced spirituality, I know what to do to get me back to center. For someone that's never done any of these things, meditation, Reiki, breathing, how do you really... I find it's very easy for people to say, change your thought pattern, mm-hmm. just become happy. And I find that the main thing that happens to people is there is anxiety. The anxiety is what will happen if, so, oh, I've got no money. What will happen tomorrow? Would I be kicked out of my house? Would I, you know, have food to it? So people get so enthralled in the anxiety that they can't even think straight. So how would they deal with that? Anxiety, I think, is definitely one of the biggest complaints that I see with clients, and it crops up all the time. And where I feel this stems from is I've read this in a book, and I absolutely loved what the author said. She said, you're always in two places. You're either in a state of fear or you're in a state of love. And of course, there are many points on the spectrum in between. But I find for people who are in that very crippling, anxiety-ridden place, it's okay to feel those emotions because there's nothing wrong with, with having these negative perceptions on some days and meeting yourself, not with judgment, but with love for yourself and saying, wow, I recognize I'm feeling pretty awful today. I can't necessarily return to a state of love for the world or love for my situation, but I can return to a state of love for myself where I care about my own happiness and my well-being or maybe i'm going to take some time to try to love my significant other my brother sister family member so when you can't apply that love to the situation that's stressing you out because nobody's going to love feeling like you have no money in the bank account or feeling like you've been broken up with and you're depressed you're not going to find a way to click into a positive mindset about that specific topic So can you instead shift to a different topic that's not causing the anxiety and not causing the fear? And when you do that, it's amazing how the universe will smooth out the situation that's causing you fear if you can somehow pull just a little bit of love and positivity back into your energy field, even if it's not about the topic that's causing your anxieties. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. That makes Very total much. sense. Very I get much. what you're saying. So 
you are shifting energy. So what basically happens is, you know, you're feeling a certain way energetically, which is negative. You find something positive to focus on. And in turn, that shifts your energy into the positive. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing I know from practicing Buddhism and from being spiritual is, you know, you always tend to like, no matter how big you think the problem is, you always tend to sort it out one way or the other. It all works out. But when you're going through it in the moment, it looks like everything's going to collapse because your mind starts playing tricks on you and it's going like a hundred miles an hour and you're like, oh my God, what am I going to do? And if you keep on meditating or like just, you know, being positive, it always works out. But it's having that feeling constantly throughout life, which is very difficult because we're humans. Mm-hmm. And so here I want to segue into, because I think you've touched on it, but I want to talk about trauma because I talk about that a lot because I feel like, you know, as an actor myself, one of the things we talk about is that everyone has a dream of life and the dream of life is you know, blocked sometimes by their obstacles in life. So I'll give a a brief example. You know, someone might want to become a doctor or a teacher, but they keep on being blocked by thoughts of that they can't do it because their father said when they were young or their mother said when they were younger that you're never going to become nobody, you know, because that's what they believed in their dream. So they, and that person, what they do is as they try to become that doctor or that teacher or that politician or whatever, They keep on sabotaging themselves based on past emotional trauma. And even they don't realize that they're doing that. And they keep on doing it constantly. Now, how do they recognize this, number one? And when they recognize it, how do they move past it in order to start creating the life they really want? Yeah, I see what you're saying, Amanda. Almost everybody has some sort of trauma that has come up in their life. For some people, it's very deep, like what you were saying about a parent um, naysaying your dreams or making you feel like you're not worthwhile. It can also be something really small, just a negative remark somebody made to you one time that really nests in your energy field and continues to come up again and again. And I think that the best thing you can do to try to heal these traumas is first identifying them, as you were saying, Amanda, the way to do that is to recognize patterns. So I see this a lot with people having relationship concerns where they keep dating the same guy again and again and again. It's different people, but they have the same behavioral patterns again and again. Somebody who's not kind to you, somebody who doesn't make you feel worthwhile, somebody who makes you feel like you're less than them. I think the conscious awareness of seeing these same traits being reflected in the people around you is how you start to pick up on the patterns. Unfortunately, it takes learning it the hard way a lot of the time, but you'll always see mirrored back to you and your external what you need to deal with in your internal. So if you're constantly bumping up against people who make you feel worthless, you might have a self-worth issue that you need to start looking at. Or if you're constantly bumping up against people who are telling you you're stupid, then maybe you need to tackle some of your confidence and introduce different types of learning or things that make you feel bright and intelligent. So if you have a very vigilant, watchful eye on everything going on in your external, you will see mirrored back to you all of your problems. And a great example of this 
I love my husband and he's an awesome person. He has an amazing way of reflecting to me all the things I have to work on, which is something I love about him. But there have been moments where I felt I couldn't get my spiritual career kind of off the ground. And then he would say, well, are you sure that you want to do this? Or are you sure that that's your calling? And it wasn't meant to be negative, but it was mirroring back to me my own uncertainty about whether this was something that I could do. And I tried to think of all of my relationships like this. So is there a constant mirror that's coming that's reflecting back to me? Ooh, I might actually have a confidence issue that I need to tackle or, Ooh, I might still be feeling like I'm not pretty enough to be successful. And when you start Um, being mindful that way, it's amazing how much you can pick up on just from the people around you mirroring your own insecurities back to you. That is very, very, very interesting, you know, because I think that is the one thing you said that I think is going to resonate with everybody. So everybody listening to this out there, it's like, you know, sometimes in life when we get things we don't want to get, (laughs) It's just a mirror of who we are. And I deeply, deeply really believe in that, that everything that happens in our life is a reflection of ourselves. And sometimes we don't want to look at it, but it forces us to look at it and deal with ourselves. And that is just so profound. Now, another thing I wanted to ask is, you know, because as I said, I believe a lot in healing and I think when you're spiritual, you start realizing a lot of things like exactly what you said, like things will happen on the outside and you know where that's coming from. You know that this is something you have to deal with, but you're just not dealing with. And it's that discipline of really, really getting yourself and saying, I am going to change because it all starts with you at the end of the day, right? Nobody can force you to do it if you don't do it yourself. And Betsy said earlier, because that was the first question she asked about how people get into this disciplined state. And if someone was out there and they said, Emily, just give our audience a 20 minute routine they could do every day to make sure they're in their state of their highest productivity and their centered self, what would it be? That's a great question. And I actually am happy I have a really good answer for this because it's something that I do every day. I think the first thing you, you can do to really get yourself off on the right foot and be in this disciplined um, state of being in your highest self is to start off your day by setting intentions. And this is something that is hugely powerful and greatly underestimated. It's different than goal setting in that you're not focused on the outcome. You're really more focused on how you want to feel. So for me, most days, now that I've started this business more seriously, I'll set the intention of, I hope today I can feel valuable and provide something positive to someone, or I hope that I can feel inspired by this task that I have ahead of me. So I would recommend to everyone starting off your day by taking out a journal or a post-it note or a napkin, whatever you have, and just jot down some intentions of how you want to feel. Because when you do that, you are from an energetic standpoint, opening up your field to allow in what you have asked for. If you don't ask, you haven't opened the door for 
the universe, your angels, your guides, just the people around you to provide for you what it is you want. And I think intention setting, that for me can sometimes take 20 minutes alone because I just try to be really thoughtful and in my emotions when I'm doing it. But another great thing you can do is something that Betsy said she likes to do. Come up with one affirmation for the day that's supportive of how you want to feel. So if you're someone who's struggling in your career, then this affirmation could be, today I feel strong, smart, and empowered in my job. And then you write it down. And when you go to work, if you start to feel you're getting pulled a little bit out of alignment, you return to that affirmation that you wrote and you've started the day with it to set the tone and you're just revisiting it every time you need to get that little bit of a tune-up. Those are two really powerful strategies that even not the most spiritual people, I think, can get behind. Yes, yes, I agree. Outside of the intention, is there anything else what we should do in the morning? I think starting the day off also in a way that makes you feel peaceful is something from at least my personal perspective that has helped me really shift into a higher energy state. And this kind of started off when I was in my legal career and I felt rushed all the time. I felt like I was rushing here, rushing there. The morning was rushed. I didn't eat breakfast. If I had a cup of coffee before I left the house, it was a miracle. And (laughs) I think starting off the day not feeling rushed may sound so basic, but that's another incredible way to just align your energy. So whether it's setting your alarm 20 minutes earlier, recognizing that maybe you're going to laze around for a bit without cutting your timing too close. That's another fantastic way to make sure that you're from the moment you're stepping out of the house or even just stepping, you know, up to your home office to get to work. You're not in this hurried state, which is something that negatively affects many, many people I've talked to. It's just not feeling like they have enough time you can build in the feeling of having more time without actually having more hours, if that makes sense. Yes, yes. You know, Emily, I can really relate to that. I mean, for me, that's something that I've had to learn recently. I think even becoming a mother, you know, prior to that, my day was always started with a rush, rushing around. And I tried to, to do that with a child, which was something that was impossible. So then I had to, you know, relearn and, and, just how to, like you say, start your day right. Because I think for me, and like for most people, like you said, is that when you're rushed, you know, you don't, you can't think clearly. Your day has already started badly. You know, everything from there, you know, you're late for everything. So therefore, it's a, just a chain effect, you know, and chain reaction and everything just spirals downhill from there. So I think that is really, a, you know, I mean, you've made valid and, and very important suggestions but yeah I think for me that that's that is definitely one that I resonate with yes yeah so one of the things you said Emily was about rushing and I just feel like in today's world we're all rushing up and down and especially for me living in Los Angeles sometimes I spend three to four hours in the car just 30 minutes here 20 minutes there and I feel like it's such a time waste I'm like that's four hours of my life five days a week or you know I'm like oh my God, it's such a waste of time. And I really have to determine to myself to wake up earlier so I have time for my spiritual practice, so I can align myself. I spend like an hour to an hour and a half every day trying to do that because otherwise my whole life goes on. Yes, yes. And it's so difficult. It's so difficult. And I, you know, believe that, 
you know, whether you're chanting, whether you're praying, whether you are meditating, whether you're doing Reiki, I, you know, it's all energy. And it's about how we use that energy to center ourselves. But we have to be determined that we want to do that, first of all, that we want to change. And we also have to realize that even if you're centered today, you're not going to be centered tomorrow. That's right. And sometimes that's hard for me because I'm like, I've done all this and why is my day going? You know? yes. And then you have to yes. come back and it's a constant struggle. Yeah. Yeah, I- absolutely. I know that feeling of thinking one day you're on cloud nine, you feel your spiritual practice is totally dialed in and you are the most positive, optimistic, magical manifester in the world. And then the next day you feel awful. And I think that's part of this human experience of constantly running into different energies that sometimes you can absorb energies from the external world that aren't necessarily your own. And that's something that I also try to remind clients of is try to be cognizant when you're feeling an emotion of whether it started with you. Because a lot of times we get pulled out of this centered place by running into a situation that kind of puts a little dark cloud in our field that sticks with us. So something to give a practical example you could be aware of is when I am sitting in all of this traffic and I start to feel anxiety and frustration, is that starting with me or am I picking up on all these other drivers on the road who are in a hurry and having a difficult time? Because it's very possible that you can absorb somebody else's emotions. So I try to tell people when you're at work, you need to have this energetic boundary around you so that you won't be so easily pulled out when your boss is stressed or your coworker missed a deadline. It has to do with really defining your energetic state and knowing that it's not going to be perfect all the time. But as you said, Amanda, you're committed to making it a conscious practice. That's honestly 80% of the battle. Another thing I started doing is I call it trying to find the source kind of thing. So for example, if I'm feeling stressed or anxious, I say to myself, why am I feeling anxious? And I'll say, okay, because I'm scared this is going to happen. Then I'm like, so why am I feeling scared? Then I find out why that, then I keep on going to try and find what the core emotion is that's causing all this. So let's say, I'll give an example. Let's say you have a feeling about money and you think, oh my God, I'm so anxious. So you ask yourself, why am I anxious? So the answer to that would be because I don't have money. So I'm afraid. So why am I afraid? Because I feel like I'm going to, let's say, lose my house. Then you say, so if I lose my house, what's the worst that could happen? I'm going to be on the street. So if I'm on the street, you know, then you, it's funny because when you then go back into the worst case scenario, it doesn't look as bad as it, as you really think it will be because you realize that there's so many checks and balances on the way because somewhere along that scenario, you'll be like, no, but I'll never end up on the street because I can go to my friend's house. I can go to my parents' house. I can, you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And I feel sometimes we just build this fear up for ourselves and it just like takes us away. So I always try to go to what the core is and then once I find what the core is, I try and build up from there by having positive thoughts and positive emotions. 
Yeah, it's true, Mendo. Because even sometimes with me, I find that my my thoughts become so you know uh, congested because, like you say, you're thinking of so many different things, and sometimes that in itself puts me out of alignment because I'm constantly thinking. But what if? But then I have to bring myself. No, I need to be centered. No, I'm not centered. Yes, I am. So it can sometimes become so chaotic to the point that I don't even know what to do with myself anymore. You know, so. Uh, it's just one of those things. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, you, you said, and we, we've already spoken about that. It's all about discipline. And the one thing I guess is to just keep to persevere. And like you said, it's now become something that's innate with you. You know how to do it with ease and know how to realign yourself. And it, it just becomes something that's natural. This is where we're trying to get our listeners to that point where they can understand this concept and, you know, just, you know, relate to what we're saying. Yeah, absolutely. I think what I would want people to try to be aware of is just caring about your energy is already more than 90% of people do. Even taking the time to be thinking about how you feel and doing what Amanda suggested about kind of reverse engineering your problem. Yes, yes. So much conscious awareness, it gets easier as you go along, but it can start with something as simple as recognizing that you feel fearful because you might not have enough money or feeling sad because you don't have your ideal partner. Just even thinking in that way is such an accomplishment. So I want people to realize that you're doing a better job than you think you are just by probably even listening to this podcast. I'm sure the type of people who listen to this are well on their way to having a strong energetic practice. Yeah. Emily, one thing you talked about was when you were saying that was about finding your partner. And I know our audience love anything to do with finding a partner. (laughs) So if someone was looking for a partner, what would you advise they do? Like, what would you be your advice? If someone came to you and said, listen, I I tried all the dating apps. I'm waiting. (laughs) (laughs) We're all waiting, Emily. (laughs) (laughs) What would you suggest I do, Emily, to find this amazing person what would you say to them this is a question you're right everybody wants to know (laughs) and i I feel like love is always a central topic in the personal development world because we all care so much about our human relationships and feeling loved i think what i would recommend to somebody who is single is that the first thing you need to do and this is similar to setting your intentions for the day the first thing you need to do is figure out what you want. And that might sound easy, but that is often half the battle is figuring out what this partner looks like from your own heart-centered space, not from what outside forces are telling you you should hope for. So for instance, outside forces might be telling you, oh, you should look for a husband with a six-figure job who's kind. That is so vague and maybe not even what you're looking for. Perhaps what you're looking for is somebody who makes you feel empowered, somebody who listens to you when you speak and responds to you in a way that makes you feel appreciated. Digging into those more specific attributes and honestly making a list is a really great way to start to identify what kind of person am I looking for? Because you might have been crossing paths with this person already or you're about to, and you don't recognize them because you think that you're looking for this certain set of traits when really you're looking for kind of a a deeper level of characteristics about someone. I find that many people don't take the time 
to get really clear on what they need. And it's different for everyone. Some women feel smothered very easily and they need somebody who gives them their independence. Some women need a partner who's really doting and affectionate. It takes time to really figure out what that looks like for you, but you're not energetically opening up to the possibility of the ideal partner if you don't know who that is. <laughs> That's, I think, the first most important step. I'm sure you ladies can relate to, yes. to that conclusion. I had it plenty of times. So you're saying people should go beyond just writing down, oh, I want him to have a successful job. I want him to have, you know, to have blue eyes and house and, brown hair house. and a fast car. You want them to go into not only his traits, but also how he makes them feel. Mm -hmm. So someone that empowers me. That yeah, that's right, Amanda. Emotions are what is magnetic. So when you're trying to manifest, you manifest through emotion. And what I mean by that is when you can feel into the frequency of what you're looking for. So if you were to sit and close your eyes and think how warm and fuzzy I would feel if I had this fantastic partner, that feeling is what you're manifesting and it's what you're projecting out into the world. So you're not necessarily able to manifest just from a shallow list of I hope that my partner makes this amount of money and has this type of home. That's not a feeling. Mm -hmm. If you can drop into the feeling of what it's like to be with that person, even if you've never met them, you can conjure that feeling having never met them. Again, we return to what you expect will be mirrored back to you. You'll know that feeling when you see it reflected in somebody else. Yes. But I agree with you. The time yes. to figure out what it is. Okay. I agree with you because what I do is, I mean, I learned, I read a book a long time ago and what I did is, okay, the book was really good because what it did is it made you, like, let's say you want something, a partner, a car, whatever it is, you'd write down all the traits. So I'd write down, okay, I want him to be this. I want him six foot, all the things I like, all the outside. And then what you do is you go into each one more in depth. So you break it down. You talk about Things like how they make you feel, how you respond to them, mm -hmm. the things you do together. So what it did was by the time you're done, you've almost written a whole book. Yes. Because <laughs> yes, everything you just, you just <laughs> add to your list. You're like, yes. oh, and we're going to go. On. You, you could write something simple like we're going to go on vacation twice a year. But that's not what it means because what you're going to then do is like you're then going to break that down into like where you're going to go, how you're going to feel, what you're going to do. Dude. what. And I do that. I've not seen the partner yet, but let's go on. <laughs> but I do, I, I mean, I, when I used to do it all the time, I, I still have the book, but I haven't written in a while, to be honest. So it goes back to the discipline, right? The funny thing about what you're saying is, Amanda, and I've done this many times, is that my list does go on and on and yeah. on and on. And sometimes I question myself, but maybe I'm, I'm thinking the wrong things. And I question, am I, am I asking for too much? Is there such a thing of asking for too much? No, I no. have project here. No, <laughs> there is never such a thing as asking for too much because in the energetic sense, the more clear you get, wow. mm -hmm. you are much better off having a list that's five pages than one page. And you'll hear in personal development circles that you shouldn't be looking for a partner who checks all of your boxes. That's not what this is saying. What my practice I'm suggesting 
creates is a frequency. So you're making this list and through making this list, you are putting a frequency out there of a person who maybe doesn't have every single one of these qualities, but overall you can feel what that would be like to encounter someone who had most of them. Mm-hmm. And then it goes to what you're saying, Betsy, of the next step is addressing, do you have an underlying belief that what you want isn't possible? Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. hard for a lot of people. And something I experienced, especially as related to my career, when I was in law, I was so unhappy. And I kept thinking, is it even possible to find a job that has the frequency that I'm looking for? Because I don't think it's possible. As I started to make my list, which is the same thing I'd advise doing for a romantic partner, the list was long and it looked from many perspectives unrealistic. But as I started to feel into the frequency of a career that makes me inspired, excited, that provides for me, that allows me to have a nice home, that makes me feel appreciated where I get to connect with people, the more I felt into that frequency, the path began to unfold. And the same is true with romantic partners. If you tell the universe, I want this awesome guy who's got this frequency, it will find you that person. But you have to know that person when you see him, her, whoever your ideal partner is. And you can't get that if you don't really dig into what their frequency is going to feel like to you. Yes, yes. Very good point, Tim. So another thing I I, I noticed from that, which I was thinking as you were talking, was a lot of people want a partner, but also there's no amount of stuff you can write in a book if you don't also take action. Mm -hmm. Because that's another thing. People sit at home and dream and they, you know, they're doing all the work. But I also feel like you have, number one, you have to take action. And number two, sometimes you're not necessarily going to find the partner sometimes where you think you're going to find them. Yes. So I have friends that would say, oh, no, but no, I don't want to go there because the type of guys I like don't go there. Or I don't want to do this because I'm not going to meet anyone. But sometimes it's when you least expect it Mm -hmm. that it's going to happen. People struggle not to want to control how and when you meet someone. And something that I always try to get through to people, especially my clients, is that, your concept of control is actually quite limited. If you are spiritual and you believe that the universe is looking out for you and providing for you, I can almost guarantee the universe always has a better plan than you. Mm -hmm. And if you accept that principle into your life and stop attempting to control the situation by avoiding locations where you don't think your partner could be or not actually trying to date and just hoping that the person will arrive at your doorstep, that doesn't necessarily work. It's more a matter of taking inspired action without the control mechanism, mm-hmm. putting such narrow parameters on what's possible. And that is a very big challenge for most people, myself included. Yeah, I think you're right. And so, you know, it's about, you know, taking yourself out of that comfort zone and really pushing, you know, through the boundaries. It, it is, it's something that a lot, we, I mean, we all struggle with, but yeah. I can what you just said, because the fact when you said universe has your back, I've been reading books by Gabby Bernstein. And I think I ordered this book at the beginning of um, lockdown here in the UK, like mid of March. And from one day to another, like many other people, I've lost about 90% of my income. And I was like, well, what what am I going to do? 
But for whatever reason, by reading this book, I just had this amazing feeling of peace. And I just felt, look, we're all in the same boat. We all, I'm going to be taken care of. Like everything's going to be fine. Then I've applied for like the grant, the support from the government, thinking, I don't know if I'm going to be eligible and this and that. One morning I woke up and I was eligible and it helped me with my rent and everything. And then another day I woke up and there was some money from a job that I did two years ago. So like I felt this working for me completely. So what I've done recently, I do not have the outcome of that yet, but I'm applying it to finding my partner. I have stopped obsessing (laughs) where I'm going to meet my partner. I just said, I'm clearing the way for universe to work its magic and just surrendering to the flow. So I don't know if that's going to work, but I am absolutely just letting it go. That's amazing, Sophia. Also, I love Gabby Bernstein. Read every single one of her books because they're so good. But I think that's a perfect example of how if you're not so caught up in where the money is going to come from or the timing of how things are going to work out, you're in this peaceful, energetic state that allows for the best possible outcomes to reach you. And I would say, especially for people who who are already in relationships, you can still use this incredible power to make your current relationship better. And that's something that my husband and I are always working on. And there were times where we split, not, not after being married, but we had split up for a while before actually making the move to getting engaged because I was coming from a place of really trying so hard to control everything to the point that it was strangling our relationship. And I think that's something many women can relate to is when you get to this point where you love somebody so much, but yet you can't let things flow. And that applies to every area of your life. It's pretty amazing that when you can get to a point of just trusting, I know that's easier said than done, but when you can get to a point of trusting, it will allow the universe to smooth out every aspect of your life. It also feels like, you know, like when you let the energy flow, you don't choke the flow of the energy. It will flourish and it will continue flowing but if you cling on to something so strongly you kind of like choke it a little bit so it's not going to have the same flow and it's not going to be able to come back to you as fast as it would come back to you if you release the the grip on it and just go with the flow and you know what's it you know interesting when you say that you know for me when i'm able to let go there's this overwhelming feeling of just security. You know, I don't know if you all can relate. You just, there's a warm feeling that I, I know that I'm guarded. I know that I'm protected. And for me, I also get this feeling of just, I'm untouchable. You know, I can do anything and everything. I know I am safe. So, you know, for everybody out there, you know, if you really work hard and channel yourself and your energies, it's the best feeling ever you know that sense of security and know that everything you're safe that's what that's me that's that's my feeling I don't know if any of you you know can relate to that one thing I wanted to ask Emily as well Betsy thank you very much for that I totally get it but that question actually is what's I want to ask one thing that I always ask in every podcast so you've got someone they're doing all this energy work they're trying to attract the perfect partner whatever it is but, or the job they want. But you know, those outside voices that keep on talking to people, 
that's a huge problem in today's world, especially with social media. And even though they are where they're at, they feel all this pressure like, oh my God, I don't have the perfect relationship because online I see all these people and all these pictures and they just look so perfect. All these couples on Instagram. And then, you know, I don't have this career because people are, you know, and a lot of that, as we all know, is not reality. It's all made up. But I also believe in the power of, you know, listening to the chit chat outside because sometimes you're fully aligned and then you just go out or you start looking on social media and it throws you off balance. So what would your advice be to people to try and maintain their center? I think, Amanda, there's two pieces to address that. The first is self-censoring might not be the right word. Censoring your your environmental input. That is something that's very important. So if you're following Instagram accounts, for example, say you're having low self-worth, following Instagram accounts of people who are constantly displaying their body in a way that makes you feel unworthy. It's nothing about them, but if it's triggering that response in you, that is something to stop looking at for the time being. So when I, I'm very proud of this. When I go on my Instagram, feed it is curated to positive happy people and I'm constantly inputting that into my environment which helps me stay centered and when I see people who are spreading hateful racist harmful biased messages unfollow unsubscribe that's the energy that I need in my field and you have to be able to take that that inspired action to know when to cut off sources of information that are hurting you and that's just so important. But I think also more than just trying to quiet all the outside voices is just uh, learning to strengthen your inner voice and listening Mm. more than the others. That's something that you can really cultivate through the power of meditation, but there will always, always be outside voices. So if you can make your own inner voice so loud that you don't hear the outside voices, you will never have to worry about it. Yeah, bravo. Thank you. Really good advice, Sarah. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah, because that's one of the things I do these days. It's like any time I get triggered by a negative emotion or if something triggers me, I automatically at the same time recognize that and I put in a positive affirmation. You know, I just like, you know what? I don't really care about that. Because, and I've also, because I've had friends who I've known for a while and I've watched their lives changed. Like I know one or two people whose lives have changed tremendously and they weren't necessarily practicing spirituality, but they were using spirituality in another way because I had a friend who, for example, she would not let anything face her. She didn't care if someone said this, if someone said that, she just kept her focus on what she wanted and everything she wanted, she manifested because she wasn't so bothered about what was going on here. Mm-hmm. She was just bothered about what she wanted in her life, you know. Mm -hmm. And another thing you mentioned, which I think is really important, you mentioned it in the beginning. I believe whenever you want to attract something in your life, even if it's not there that moment, you can kind of get the energy of it into your life. Mm -hmm. So if you want to attract love, maybe, you know, go volunteer and give love to others because mm-hmm. that creates the same feeling mm-hmm. of love. So if you start caring for people, you know, like I recently was thinking of 
volunteering time to this cause in Los Angeles called CASA, which they get individuals to advocate for foster children. So they give you a foster child and you advocate for them to find a home, to find a this, to that. At first I was like, oh my God, that would be so much, you know, it's such a commitment. And another thing, it's like so much, you know, like it's like, oh my God, this poor child, I have to go through all this to make sure they, but then that's the same emotion as finding a partner mm-hmm. and creating a family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I, so I'm doing, I'm going to do that now and I'm going to come back and tell you guys. <laughs> well, your solar energy is indiscriminate in terms of the category of your life. Yeah. Yes. You're feeling loving, whether that's loving towards your partner, your career, your health, your fitness, your free time, your reading, your spirituality. Loving is just a very broad based emotion and if you can implement more of that into your life you'll attract it in the areas where it's lacking mm-hmm. and isn't it that they say you know self-love is also you know giving back to you know to society you give back yeah absolutely and it's funny you'd say that amanda because with your volunteering pursuits because one of the things that i was looking when i was looking for a new career and looking for the courage to leave the legal world i started volunteering at a children's hospital And just having that energy of feeling needed and appreciated and connected to people was one of the more pivotal factors in finding the courage to leave a place where I wasn't in alignment. And the two had no relationship to one another. And yet they were the most related action that helped me find courage to make a shift. That's really important. You know, it's really important that when we're trying to attract something in our lives, we should also realize the energy that we're attracting around us. Mm-hmm. And as you said, it doesn't matter where that energy is coming from, provided we are giving it out and we're mm-hmm. attracting it into our lives. And yes. this has been a very, very, very interesting discussion. So, I mean, before we wrap it up, I'd like you to tell us where people can find you if they need any of your services and, you know, want to know a lot more about, you know, energy and healing. Thank you. Well, I'm, I'm honored to have been on here with you ladies and appreciate everybody who has listened to this. If you are interested in connecting with me further, my website is www.soulspaceenergy.com. And from that site, you can find links to my um, personal workshops that I do, which I, have the first one starting this next week and a few scheduled for July that I'm really looking forward to. And then I also do my booking for private sessions there as well. And then the link to my Etsy shop where I have all of my metaphysical tools is also on my website. So that's pretty comprehensive. I'm also on Instagram and you can find my handle at soulspace underscore energy. And I would love to get to know and connect with anybody who's interested in this line of work. It's totally my passion. And I could chat with so many wonderful women about it forever and men as as well. But I'm grateful to have the opportunity to connect with ladies like you who are so like-minded and positive and empowered. Thank you. Thank you. you. It was was a real pleasure. From your um, voice and from how you're speaking about it, you've really found your true calling and your passion and it's been wonderful listening to you and obviously I feel like all four of us have like the same vibration and yeah we absolutely loved having you I mean we might have you here again yeah I think <laughs> yeah. so thank you well, thank you, you. Well, thank you. Well, thank you.
I think so as well. And mm-hmm. as Sophia said, we really, really, it was really, really great having you. So um, one of the things, Emily, I found from Emily's website, she says, with support of the universe behind you, personal empowerment becomes a natural state of being. With help from soul space energy, you will cultivate a practice of growth and healing that restores mental, emotional, and physical wellness. Emily, thank you very much for coming on the show. And we look forward to having you again. Thank you, Emily. Thank you, Emily. Thank you guys. Take care. Real pleasure.